0: Good evening, everyone. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 23, together tonight. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene.
1: Good evening. My name's Jonathan. How are you? I was just trying to see the lyrics from um, that last song we sung. The line, uh, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. It felt real good singing that one. Lose all their guilty stains, all of them. Uh, (laughs) That actually uh, does have something to do with tonight's sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i just personally love that line as well um matthew chapter 2 recently uh before i say anything i'm gonna pray (laughs) pray with me (sighs) lord you are what i want you are what we want that's why we've come here And we are sinners plunged beneath that flood and all our guilty sins washed away. Lord, it is a pleasure to know you and a joy uh, beyond compare. And we ask that you bless us this evening as we meet together, as we sing, as we pray, as we look at your word and the things that have happened, most importantly, who you are. Bless us, Lord, according to your kindness, according to your generosity, according to your Son, and the blood that he spilled on our behalf, for your glory and our good. Amen. Uh, recently, I was uh, at a high school reunion, and it reminded me of the book of Matthew. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, my high school was a bit rough. It was the kind of place where kids threw um, chairs at teachers. Uh, Teachers were known to throw punches at kids. They sometimes borrowed a cigarette. (laughs) Uh, And I tell you that just because at my reunion, I found out that um, one of the wildest fellows was a Christian now. And they said it with, (laughs) with mocking, and I heard it with such delight. And one fellow I was talking to said, well, you know, those kind of fellas need a crutch, don't they? Something, something to help them because of how terrible they are. And uh, I said, would you really be angry or have a go at a man with a broken leg because he wears a because he uses a crutch? He said, well, I guess not. <laughs> but the hard part was then convincing him that he was the man with the broken leg. I did try. (laughs) Now, believe it or not, um, this familiar story um, and that story about my high school reunion, hopefully um, you'll pick up the themes as we go through. Um, The book of Matthew is really controversial. And this story of the wise men, I'll also put to you, is controversial because there's those who should enter the kingdom of God. But we find out that they're not. There's those who shouldn't enter, yet they seem to be. There's insiders, there's outsiders, there's the proud, there's the humble, those who are near and those who are far off. Our narrative encourages us that if you're one of those who are far off and you seek Christ, he's waiting for you. As we read elsewhere in the book of Matthew, it says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Our narrative is also a warning. A warning to those who know of Christ but don't know him. Some live near him and yet never seek him. Herod's title was king of the Jews. Jerusalem was the city of God. Nobody knew the scriptures like the religious leaders. But it says that they were disturbed at the news of a Messiah, their Messiah. And yet the Magi, these foreigners, were overjoyed. The main main character of our story, however, is a child. A child whom wonderful words have been spoken of, whom wonderful words are spoken of, and our author, Matthew, draws our attention to it in verse 6. So let's start there this, morning, this evening <laughs> and go back some 700 years, before the birth of Christ, to the preaching of Micah. If you want to turn there, it's um, Micah, chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 2 to 5. It's about <laughs> a quarter towards the end. Anyway, just after Jonah, if you make it to Daniel or Ezekiel, keep going. Jonah, then Micah. If you can't find it, I'm going to read it anyway. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 to 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. When your eyes are opened and you are willing to hear, the Bible speaks of extraordinary things wonderful things, hope-filled things, joyous things. Like a God who hasn't forgotten about his people and promises not to leave them abandoned. A God who promises to send a king, a son. A son whom will be born and the whole world turned upside down and changed. And this king is to be different to other kings. He won't be of an important family, not born to nobility, no uh, grandeur about his birth Not born in a palace But from humble beginnings From a small clan Born in a small town A lowly birth Amidst a sad and lonely time And people are, when people are beginning to lose hope Hope comes A mere child And yet we read He is of old If you notice in Micah, it said, One whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And this is an extraordinary thing. The prophet is saying, someone who already was, will be new. The ancient of days, someone who is of old. And here we get a a glimpse into the Messiah's divinity. Because how else can such a thing be? One who is old, being born new a new life and an old one together in one person. Divine and yet human, for we also read about he comes for his brothers, to bring them home. Human brothers, people like you and I, returning home. The king of Israels were often referred to as shepherds, and so this king is to be for his people. A shepherd to his flock, a king who cares who will reign in strength and in the name of the Lord, and yet one who will seek out the lost, put them on his shoulder, and carry them home. Here we have a king, strong and righteous, and yet humble, and a shepherd. A shepherd, it seems, that King David knew already. For we famously read in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A shepherd from of old, from ancient days, A shepherd who has been Israel's shepherd already, and yet now, we're told, will take on flesh. His greatness and renown will will spread throughout the whole earth, and because he reigns, because he rules, because of his birth, because of his righteousness, his people will dwell securely and in safety. And then perhaps my favorite line, it says, And he will be our peace. Not that he will give peace, but that he will be our peace. And it's a different thing. Because if I tell you that my wife brings me joy, you think about the things that she does that bring joy. But if I say my wife is my joy, you realize that actually I delight in her, and not just the things that she does for me. So it is with this king. His deeds are wonderful, yet it is who he is that is truly wonderful and awe-inspiring. Because what he does and his deeds come from who he is. The king of Israel gives peace to his people by giving himself to his people. And his people will delight in him, not just for what they get, but because of who he is. For our deeds reveal who we are, don't they? As the man does, so the man is. And this one that Micah preaches of is... Truly awe inspiring. I start with Jesus and the prophecy because He's the King. He's the reason we put the star on the tree. He's the Ancient of Days, the brother of men, the King of Israel. And His radiant light does something to the hearts of men, it reveals them. God's light in Christ reveals what we're really about what we're really like and it doesn't always go as expected so let's now look at those who are far off the birth of jesus is remarkable in a lot of ways a virgin birth prophecy angels laid in a manger but it's also incredible in regards to who comes to visit because we might expect to read And when the news of the Messiah hit Jerusalem, there was a parade, there was a celebration, there was fanfare. The whole city rejoiced with with the birth of their Messiah and news of their Messiah. But we don't read anything like that. As far as we know, the first to come are some shepherds from a field, the first to visit Israel's Messiah. And now, sometime later, Magi. The Magi are foreigners, aliens to Israel, Strange guests for a king promised to the Jews And so I don't think it's as important who they are As who they are not Because we're not told quite as much as we'd like to I'm not told quite as much as I would like to know about them But what we do know is that they were from out of town They weren't locals, they were blow-ins Men from the east, likely towards Asia Wise men, sorcerers, kings, I don't know And I don't think it matters much except to say that they weren't sons of Abraham. Moses was not their teacher. And yet their response to Christ we have the most to learn from in this story. For they're hungry and fervent, for the one born King of the Jews. Think about these men who have traveled across land, across desert in a time where robbery and thievery and death were serious um, problems of travel. They were brave men. They braved heat and hunger, storms and wind and rain. For (laughs) For a Christ not of their nation, a star to follow. God has led them, and he has led them to Jerusalem, the city of God, and the expedition is not over. Because we might expect to read, they entered Jerusalem and the city was a buzz of excitement. They too had seen the sign of the Messiah. But no, they find a city just going about its business and they interrupt Jerusalem with questions about their Messiah. We do find in these men a remarkable example of an unwavering pursuit, a faithful endeavor, a willing journey, a burdensome undertaking. Is there anything that you pursue so fervently? Anyone that you would seek out with such earnestness? Does your heart hunger in this way for the one born King of the Jews? The one who does not just give peace, but is peace. The one who doesn't rule his people with an iron fist, but gently leads them as a shepherd his flock the humble king who is from of old, the ancient of days, who is calling his brothers home. This group of foreigners strangely led to Jerusalem. What now? Door knocking. (laughs) They inquire. Note the courage of these men. They arrive in Jerusalem, occupied by Rome, and begin to ask about a king. They're knocking on Jewish doors asking, Where's your Messiah? The experts reply, which is something in itself. It's not. They don't say, "I don't know. This is. I have. I. This is news to us." They, the experts reply. They tell Herod. They tell the Magi, "Bethlehem. That's where he'll be born. That's the place to go." And we might suppose they go. Let's all go. Come on. This is great. The Messiah in Bethlehem. We don't read anything like that. There's no mention of what the religious leaders do next. But the Magi appear to arrive in Bethlehem alone. But not really alone, is it? For the stars returned and stopped over a house, and what no man could show them, God has. There's no way they could have found the Messiah on their own. God has led them. And they're overjoyed about it. Did you notice that overjoyed these men are overjoyed these foreigners from out of town who have seen a sign been led to a house now full of joy and isn't it so for all who seek christ and then find him hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life i think sometimes we don't really know what we're looking for until we find it am i right i'm sure it is so with many of us when we came to christ (laughs) we knew things were not right but we didn't know how they could be righted we felt the sufferings and the groanings and the burden of our sins but we didn't know how they could be remedied we felt the anguish of injustice we knew things were wrong but we didn't know what could be done for peace but oh to find yourself at home with jesus the one who can fix what is broken, give us rest from our burdens, bring justice to the nations, and cool the fires of our heart with his peace. So I reflect sometimes on the, the time I became a Christian, and I didn't even necessarily fully understand what was happening to me. But I reflect now, and I understand more. The Magi are no place extraordinary. A child so young, he's still held in his mother's arms, And picture this, strong men, perhaps kings, they go to their knees and from their lips come praise and from their hands come costly gifts. I don't know about you, but I find this scene so bizarrely beautiful. I imagine a homely dressed young woman holding her baby warmly by the glow of a candle, a knock on the door and a cold wind and these men standing there, dark and foreboding, and yet there's something different about them, something different about their faces, something different about their arrival. With a heart filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything seems to be happening the way that it ought to. And they bow themselves and we ask ourselves, are these really the ones we expect to come and humble themselves before Jesus? I don't think so. And yet here they are on their knees worshipping him, him who is of old him whose name will be great throughout all the earth who will restore his brothers one to the other and them all to himself him who will rule with strength and kindness and be peace to his people and the evening passes and the magi sleep and god warns them in a dream and they return home by another route now we turn to those who are near And i want to read a parable to you a parable from that jesus tells um, later in the book of matthew matthew 21 28 to 32 jesus says what do you think there was a man who had two sons he went to the first and said son go and work today in the vineyard he said fat chance But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. Sometimes in order to understand one man's behavior, it helps to compare it to another. We've considered the Magi. Now let's consider Herod. Now Herod was not a Jew by birth, but he did everything he could to be, con- to be seen as one and to establish his title as king of the Jews. He rebuilt the Jewish temple He married a Jewish princess. He murdered every every rival he had, including his brother-in-law and his own two sons. He bought, he sold, he swindled, he stole, he lied, he thieved. And Rome supported him and gave him a throne. Just what he wanted. His subjects, the Jews, were free to worship in the temple, free to practice their religion, free to study their scriptures. So when foreign men turn up in in town in search of the king of the Jews, the Jewish king, the Jewish people, and this city we read, how do they respond? They're troubled. They're troubled with the news. Herod is, of course, troubled, because in his mind he is the king of the Jews. Someone's turned up who might rob him of all he's worked for. But the Jews, what troubles them? And we're not really told. But I'd like to suggest that a rival king will disturb the peace. Ruffle feathers, disrupt well-established hierarchies. That's what a change in leadership does. And in fact, a few years prior, an army had sieged Jerusalem, won the battle, put their own king on on a throne in Jerusalem. Herod did the runner, went to Rome, said, help me, got a bigger army, came back, slaughtered everybody who he needed to who didn't support him and got back his throne so news of a messiah likely likely means conflict, likely means fighting, likely means bloodshed the chief priests, teachers of the law are brought in the experts to know where this king was prophesied to be born they answer the question but like I said Doesn't sound like anyone in search of him. Herod inquires again, secretly, of the wise men. Why secretly? I don't know. But it's hard to reach any other conclusion than that he wanted to appear one way, whilst secretly he intended to harm the child. It isn't, isn't it because, and isn't it so often that what we do in secret reveals the most about us? What we're really about. Herod pretends interest, though his intent is evil. He presents himself as an upright man, whilst he plots murder in his heart. He'd rather no Messiah, for that's how he can keep all that he has worked so hard for. Herod, the religious leaders, the Jewish people, are disturbed at the arrival of their own Messiah. Fear has gripped them, and what they will lose means more to them than the one who has arrived. When a heart is set on worldly treasures, there's rarely room for heavenly ones, like Lot's wife, who cared more for a burning city than her own salvation. I want to read to you the words of the martyr Stephen, just before men picked up stones to stone him in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. How can it be... That those who live in the city of god a man whose title is the king of the jews leaders who memorize the first five books of the bible and can upon request render an answer to the birthplace of god's messiah hear of their king's birth their rescuer's arrival their savior's coming and then make no effort to find him how can men who pray and tithe and seek to honor god be in terror about a king whose name is Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace. The rest of Scripture and in indeed history shows us because of jealousy, because of worldliness, the love of money, the love of power, and because the approval of men meant more to them than the approval of God. And so we have Herod, Jerusalem, and its religious leaders who know of the Christ, the one-born King of the Jews, And yet have no interest in him not really they're too interested in themselves they jostle for positions of influence mark their territory grow in wealth and power and meanwhile the messiah is born in their backyard and they don't even go to look for him though we should not judge jesus value based upon their assessment of him for remember men came from afar and to them we should look for their journey was not in vain. It was actually divinely led, and when they arrived, it was all they hoped for. They were overjoyed, it says, whilst Jerusalem was in terror. The Magi had found one before whom they could lay down their crowns happily, give of their, way, give of their wealth, and praise with their mouths. And life is funny in a way. One man says he has nothing that he would die for, and finds that he also, at the same time, has nothing that he would, he, nothing to live for. And one who will gladly give up his life for Christ finds that he has everything to live for. The Magi sought the Christ and were not turned away. Herod, the religious leaders, and the people of God's city didn't come, didn't go looking for the one their prophets had written about, the one the law revealed they needed, The one the temple was a shadow of, the one who Moses, the mediator, was a type. And isn't this a sad thing, that Christ came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And so, it is to the one who comes, it is the one who comes that is blessed by God. Some will come to church every Sunday as the Jew went to temple, Some will read their Bible every day as the Jew memorized scripture. Some will have fathers who are preachers, brothers who are elders. Some will pray and tithe and live in such proximity to Christ that all would expect that they are indeed a Christian, just as the Jew who lived in Jerusalem, just as the Jew who lived in Jerusalem whilst the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. Some could even be elders and pastors, preachers have great titles, just as Herod was called King of the Jews. But it was not Herod who was saved, though he could have been. For it was the Magi who were blessed in this story. And what did they do that others didn't? They came. They saw the sign, they followed it, till they found themselves at the feet of the one-born King of the Jews. Who is the good Son? The one who says, I go, sir, but did not go? No, we read in Matthew 21 that it is the one who answered, I will not, but afterward changed his mind and went. It's the one who goes. Have you heard of the Christ, the one born King of the Jews? Have you heard extraordinary things about him? Will you come? Will you humble yourself before him? Will you lay your gifts at his feet? Will you worship him? I remember the day that I did. It was because he led me there. I had no gifts to give him, but a wretched heart. And he took it and he filled it with peace and joy. And so to finish, in encouragement, for those who are far off, weren't the Magi further? From a distant land, we read, they came. But him whom they sought, they found, and he didn't send them away. You yourself could not be more of a stranger to Christ than they were. And yet when they found themselves at his home, they were filled with joy. And a warning for those who are near, week in and week out. You hear of him, read of him, drink his cup and eat his flesh. You appear to all to be one type of person, but inwardly you are something else altogether. Who are you in the dead of night? when you stand to lose all you have worked for. I entreat you to act wisely and make sure that you are Christ. I want to finish with a reading from Matthew 8, verse 11 to 12, which sums up what I was just saying. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.